going on? So, um, going to record a podcast. Hope you're ready. My father was always tall, just centimetres from the sky. I would pull on his legs, laughing as he collapsed on his hands and knees. Suddenly he was a horse, smiling and shuffling across the carpet as if he were in a stable. And I would pull myself onto his back, and I was a princess in the sky, with the highest horse in all of Wales. I would imagine him as a horse, while I waited for him to return. I would sit by the wireless, though my mother wouldn't let it play. And I would imagine that when I would least expect it, I would hear him neighing over the airwaves and over the oceans. So I would often awake at dawn with a stiff neck and the radio in my arms, and my dreams filled with static from the stables. But when he walked back through our door, the sky sunk around his shoulders. He was still tall, but the sky that surrounded him was scary and dark, and I clung to his legs as the thunder rang out, and there was smoke in the stables. He collapsed, crying on his hands and knees, struggling and shuffling across the carpet, as if he had left his mind in the trenches with his friends. And I didn't pull myself onto his back, because I knew, even then, I shouldn't touch, as he shook, collapsing into the carpet, screaming until his throat was sore. I just lay, with my hands over my ears inside of his arms, as he shook, he shook, and he sobbed, and I was a princess on the floor, with the most shell-shocked horse in all of Wales. I wrote that about my great-great-grandfather. I guess from the perspective of my great-grandmother. She... She and I were... were quite close before she died. Um... I actually, she was she was from Wales, and I, I started learning Wales, Wales learning Wales, learning Welsh. Uh, <laughs> uh, after, after she she died, um, as you can tell, I I barely speak English, so you can imagine how well me learning Welsh went. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm I'm still giving it a go, you know. Keep. You know, kind of continuing with the the lessons and, you know. Um, but he, her father fought in the First World War. And, you know, he, he was fortunate enough to, to survive. But he... 
he had what what I think would now be recognised and hopefully treated as post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and obviously th- things were different then. And he... He never really uh, recovered from that. And, you know, I I never met him, but, you know, that was one of the only things I know about him, is that he never, he never recovered. The other thing I know is that he loved horses, even after he was so happy when he would be with the horses and you know today is is remembrance sunday so i've just been thinking about about that a lot and and about you know the people that i've never met and the impact that they have had on my life and the way that it is I wasn't ever personal until you were the only person I could think of unintentional so impractical. I began speaking in cliches, in dreamy drooling. My eyes carved out, spinning wildly on the staff room table as I placed marble hearts where they used to reside. I had a lovely time watching you chain smoke to forget your overbearing mother and your darling dipsomania, smoke snaking around your angel eyes so sad but so sexy there's one trapped girl who knows that you're hurting but only knows one way to make it better let me kiss you better singing I'll only miss her when I think of her leaning out the window just to choke on air because I forget to breathe when we are close and the day runs down my throat and I am still, marble heart eyes closed, on the windowsill. And suddenly, her arms close around my waist. Damn you. Innocently nuzzling into my neck. And I am so, so, so breathless. And I guess I'll forget you in about a hundred years. I know I use alliteration a lot, so it's probably not even that impressive or surprising when I do. But can we just talk about Darling Dipsomania? That's, you know what? I'm just going to come out and say it. That's fucking great. (laughs) I think about that line all the time. It's probably one of my favourite things I ever, like, I've ever written. I just, I love that so much. I heard someone use the word Dipsomaniac in an interview I was watching. 
And so <laughs> I was like, I love that. I'm bringing that back. Um, and oh my God, I'm going to sound so egotistical. But it's fine. Anyways, so I was like, I love that. You know, let me just try and spin that as a positive thing, even though it's actually quite bad. You know, is a, you know, <laughs> can self-destructive binge drinking be adorable? Let's find out. Um, <laughs> but I guess, I mean, that's kind of what love is. It's when you, you see all these things about someone and you're just like, oh, wow. It's so cute when you do something so terrifyingly bad. mud. Small bears, the only ones that smile. Reach out to tiny friends, taken. There are darker dreams than those in my head, in the minds of the maniacal. They are here, they would love to invade my mind with more. And I wish that I could tell you, or show you, or wait and pretend that it will be fine but there is no more time and there is no time to wait and you have to remember because now it's November and I walk among you and I hear you your hungry hate salivating at scapegoating and it never wakes me because I never sleep while the mud has cleared and the showers traded for baths they could still be coming and I'm not ready to be next I remember writing that at uni um, and I I adapted it and included it in, in a collection I released on my website a couple of years ago um, I think I just adapted it when I read it just then, but you know, it's my thing, so I can, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I remember writing it because we were asked specifically to write about the Holocaust, and I remember being absolutely, like, not to be dramatic about it, and not to be that bitch, but I'm gonna be that bitch. I was kind of outraged because there was this person in our class who, rather than doing the assignment, which everybody else did, everybody else wrote something connected to the Holocaust, right? But this girl, right? <laughs> oh my God. She wrote what was... Basically, she used the Holocaust as a thinly veiled metaphor I guess to whinge about her boyfriend the problem was maybe people wouldn't have known had she not made it so obvious and had she not done so poorly at kind of you know everything uh no that was mean um, <laughs> you know it just it, it was very obviously not about the holocaust it was about her 
and it just I I still think about that because I was like it's just so selfish you know it's like get out of yourself for like 30 seconds love like you know what I mean think about somebody else for a change you know I just ugh, man. I just I just remember it being one of like the most selfish things I had ever witnessed in my life <laughs> I was like oh may I couldn't believe it I, I really couldn't but you know sometimes that's that's how writing classes are sometimes you know there are people like that you know it just it is what it is but <laughs> it shocked me it shocked me like I said if 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 it wasn't so clumsily done perhaps it wouldn't have been so obvious and we wouldn't have all noticed but you know that was not the case um so but yeah I, that that what what you've just heard was was my my effort as it were um I kind of wanted to focus around the idea of you know of the world learning from what happened um unfortunately we we can't go back and change what happened um you know me as a person i i cannot go back in time yet um but i i can't go back and i can't save those people that were lost i can't i i can't change what happened but what i can do is go through my life knowing what I know from those events and knowing that I have to do what I can to to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And I think, not to be a Debbie Downer, but sometimes it feels like there are some people who maybe are not interested in making sure it doesn't happen again. And I think at that point you have to decide who you're going to be. Are you going to sit there and say, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. What can I do? Oh, no. Or are you going to stand up and say, no, we're not doing this again. We're not letting this happen again. And I think... We, as just regular people, can do all we can. But sometimes the people that we put our trust in, you know, to do the right things, sometimes they're not willing to stand up and say, no, something's wrong, we're not, we're not continuing with this. And that concerns me, you know. I think it's why I get so pissed off when people just kind of don't engage with the world around them. That They're just not interested in, you know, what's going on. I get that a lot of what's going on, you know, current affairs, things like that, it can be quite depressing. It's a bit of a downer. It makes you feel bad. I, I get that. I do. Um, but, you know, 
welcome to real life, you know, it's not all going to be, you know, viral cat videos and, you know, Ariana Grande memes, okay, sometimes real life is terrifying and scary and heartbreaking and horrible but if you just sit there and you ignore it and you just keep scrolling and you just keep pretending everything's fine then you know it's it's like the old poem says you know and then they came for me and there was no one to speak for me I think I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean. You know, people people need to stand up and it may not always be easy or convenient or fun or sometimes even safe. But people have done it before and that's why I'm here. That's why I exist. You know, I am, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm biracial. I'm, I'm made up of so many different places. It's ridiculous. I'm an LGBT person. I'm, you know, I'm so many different things that through the years, have been marginalised, have been oppressed, and I now currently can live, for the most part, in freedom. And I have that, because other people fought for me. Before I even existed, they fought for me to have this. They stood up and they they went to bat for me before I was even a thing so so now it's my turn and it's everybody else's turn it's just a question of whether they're gonna get up off the bench and get going and get this thing done or whether they're just gonna sit there and be like oh, it's not my problem, it's not my problem, you know, until it's too late. I guess we'll see. reflect on rain, smiling at the storm that mothered me as I grew into the last girl on earth, or in that particular part of London. I was gloomy, glamorous, glowing, but still quietly and full of guilt, longing for the end. I had wished so hard for so long that some days I forgot what I was wishing for, and I awoke each day to the storm fixing breakfast. I would stare myself out in the mirror, willing my reflection to talk back and take the initiative. But we stayed staring, still, silent, 
not daring to look out the window to the wasteland the world had become in my eyes. Painted blue and bitter to have blended into all of the rage and the doubt and the dismal dreaded acceptance that this was all there ever was and all there ever would be. And I wasn't as special as I thought I was and I was too late to adapt and just be happy to be alive. So I escaped into the night, chased by the howling and wounded storm. It's strange to feel completely powerless but have the power to break a heart just by getting out of the way and being less of an inconvenience. And I was an angsty teen antichrist, afraid of the dark but more afraid of one more day unfulfilled. And after a while, I decided to try and live for the storm. And when my heart broke just enough to change my mind, the heavens opened and I was showered with how much she wanted me to stay. I napped by the road, dungarees, sparkly spaghetti straps, waiting for a car, the car, the one that would drive me somewhere that made sense. And after several months with several maps, littered with pins and promises, I was no closer to an answer. And some days, some days I felt like I had lived centuries, thousands of days, reigning supreme as the goddess of late nights, under the stars, in the hands of strangers, hiding from reality and wondering how to get home when you never had a home in the first place. And she's somebody's little girl, that's what they always say about me. As I break into their happy homes, mud-covered boot heels on a clean cream carpet, dreaming to drunken Dean Martin lullabies, the things I did last summer, the things I said last night as I stole your vodka, and the windows and weddings I smashed with a chaste Catholic guilt-infused kiss. Just as you get used to me, it's time to go, and I am back where I started, and now you are the storm and everything is different if I work hard enough to convince myself but I am truly the same girl wild and unfulfilled because she'll never know what she's looking for but she still has your vodka and a packet of cigarettes that she took from your back pocket when you kissed her and you tried to say the only way you knew how that there was a place for her I heard you darling I just I just don't believe you. I feel like I haven't spoken about like anything happy this episode. Sorry. Um, anyway, so <laughs> I kind of wrote that about, you know, kind of a lot of things, you know, just kind of feeling like you don't really belong anywhere and like you don't have anywhere that's just for you and even if someone tells you that you do you're like eh, I don't know you know and just kind of always searching for something because you're not sure what it is that you actually want and you know feeling like you're going to run out of time and that you'll never actually find any kind of true happiness because you don't deserve it but you're not really sure why you don't you know so yay horrible depressing thoughts 
you know, it's Sunday. I always find Sundays very depressing anyway, so join me in that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. I hope you're okay. You know, I hope you've, you've uh, managed to make it this far into the episode and uh, you're okay. Yeah. We, we can be sad together, it's okay. That's all for tonight's episode but I will see you again next week or speak to you again next week because obviously you know you can't see me um you can hear me so I guess I'll be speaking to you yeah yeah that makes sense yeah that's fine <laughs> uh but in in between that if you really really desperately need to hear or see more of me uh then I'd just like to recommend my website, which is jenniferwan.com, which you probably already know if you've listened to this before, but you know, <laughs> uh, where you can find uh, lots of things that I've written. You can find, I've got like a whole section of the website where you can find lots of uh, free projects to read, lots of poetry collections and short stories and uh, things like that. Um, you can find some videos that I've made uh, with visual poems. Uh, my most recent one is uh, a preview of my upcoming book, 27 with a White Lighter. Um, and you can find a preview of that in my new visual poem, He Sent You Flowers, which is available to stream or download for free on my website, which again is jenniferwan.com I know I know I know um <laughs> uh so there's like stuff like that there's videos uh there's audio poems that I've done uh there's some free music downloads which is fun um I guess if you like music um did I ever tell you about a guy I went out with who who claimed not to believe in music well, I, I, <laughs> I'll save that for another episode if I haven't already. But yeah, that that was a that was a thing that was going on. Anyway, um, <laughs> let let me get back to plugging all of my projects. Um, oh, over the summer, if you're if you're new to the podcast, you may not know this, uh, but over the summer, I finally finished my long and very overdue actually uh project drowning in us which was a collection of poetry um a short film and an album which you can find again all for free on my website which again is jenniferwan.com um and you can check that out you can watch the film you can read the poems and you can listen to the the album if you would like to uh <laughs> Uh, you can also, uh, of course, you can find other episodes on my podcast. Um, and you can find where to, where to get my books and my music if you are interested in that. Again, on the website. Um, if you are interested in more information about my upcoming book, then you can check out its dedicated website, which is 27withawhitelighter.com. 
um, where there are previews and the details on how to order your copy if you would like one. Um, is there anything else? Oh, uh, I'm on social media. That's a thing. <laughs> uh, I'm most active on Instagram, actually. Um, I always, pretty much every day on my story, um, I post pretty regularly, I guess. Um, so you can find me there with the username Miss J Squared, which also is the same username for Twitter and Tumblr and YouTube, I think. Um, but again, if you're not sure and you, you need a little direction to find me on any of those, I'm going to say the website again, then you can find those on jenniferwan.com. Do you know what? I've probably said that like 30 times at this point. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, I better go, but I will see you soon. Good night, my love.